My name is Craig Pickett. I'm an executive recruiter. More than a decade ago, I started my practice for one purpose, to use my experience as a former military aviator, business jet sales executive, and P&L leader to help aviation and aerospace companies and their executives be fast, adaptable, and strategic. I do these podcasts to inspire and inform, but more importantly, they are a focused platform to help business leaders grow. Welcome to the Aerospace Executive Podcast. So welcome back. I am uh, very happy to have Jason Anderson with me. Jason is a, uh, a former uh, Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, C-130 pilot, I believe. Yep. Um, he is with uh, now with Collins Aerospace, Raytheon Technologies. What is it? What is that company called now? Ray, is it Collins Ray, Aeros- Ray, Raytheon Technologies? <laughs> it's Collins Aerospace, which is a, a Raytheon Technologies company. Perfect. Absolutely. It, it's taken on so many renditions in the last couple, oh, couple of years. Even yes. I get confused. So uh, absolutely. But you and I met a couple of years ago. It was interesting. When did we we met a couple of years ago? We were talking about kind of transitioning military veterans. I was doing a blog, trying to help military veterans ease the transition and then you and i got connected and we started talking about it so you now have got your new company your new venture that you're starting it's pretty exciting stuff so it's uh it's called pre-veteran so jason is the founder and president of pre-veteran and he's helping he's done a he's got a great program to help military veterans enter the work you know the civilian workforce but a lot of the stuff he's doing, which fascinates me, is not just military to civilian. I think it could be, you know, really, it, it, and it's not just veterans to civilian, but it's also helping businesses hire veterans easier. But a lot of it also just comes into you know, great career management for whoever wants to listen. I mean, really, it's, it's, some, it's some great advice for anybody ever looking to make a career change or wants to grow their career. So. Talk to us about what you're doing, Jason. Welcome. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I want you to know this is my first podcast. So this isn't the first one I've done ever, but it is the first one since we've relaunched Pre-Veteran, which was about uh, two and a half months ago. So we're super excited to be with you. And thanks for all the kind words on that. It was, I want to say a couple of years ago, um, I think I was in Asia at the time where I just moved back to Wyoming. Um, with the recent merger, one of the mergers with Collins Aerospace. And we did, we started talking about transition. At that time, um, my concepts were being kind of sorted out uh, for pre-veteran. And there was a lot of research that kind of went into it. In fact, years of research. And um, the reason why it took so long is, uh, frankly, uh, the existing research body or, or the entire work of research out there is pretty kind of fragmented. So you're going to have these different kind of um, either nonprofits or VA funded studies that are out there and they're kind of all over the board. Um, Some come from just different think tanks, Mm -hmm. some come from universities, but it was really hard to kind of get a picture of what's going on in the uh, transitioning military space. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of frustrated with it. So what I ended up doing is just kind of uh, taking all this research and putting a lot of critical thought into it and then coming up with a single operating picture so people can understand that. I've since labeled that as the state of transition. I haven't put it out there publicly yet, but I think I gave you a little peek at that the other day. Um, but what I think is useful about it, like you were saying, is it kind of informs 
all of our programs moving forward. Um, it, it's just a way to look at transition at one holistic area across four different measures, which is employment, wellness, higher education, and entrepreneurship to see how well or not well veterans are performing in those uh, four measures. The uh, well, it's a government program, so let's just talk. <laughs> Your, yours is not a government program, but right. the military has transition assistance. Yep. And it's a government program, and there's nothing worse than a bunch of government workers who have never really experienced the civilian workforce try to instruct, you know, exiting military people on career management moving forward. And and quite frankly, the worst people at transitioning are senior officers. They are they're clueless. Um, yep. it, it becomes an afterthought to them. It's like you know the cliff is coming. You see the end of the you, you see the end of the tracks, and they wait until the day before. They're like, oh, maybe I need to give this um, some thought. <laughs> yeah, I, no clue I, what they want to do. They have no idea. It's like I'll just figure it out. But you talk about that a lot in your program. I do, and and the phenomenon you're talking about. So so tap. Um, I've been through it. You know, everybody now has to go through it. It's con congressionally mandated as of 2012 as part of the Vow to Hire Heroes Act of 2011 that was passed. Um, what, what is interesting about that though, and I, and I try not to beat up TAP too much because the way I kind of address it um, with my audience is, you know, TAP is a requirement. So the government is doing the best it's, it can to get all the people in the military out of the military. And therefore, by definition, it's a single kind of monolithic program. Mm -hmm. And it can't reach the level of individual specificity that individuals require. So um, at the end of the day, it's never going to meet an individual's needs. And, you know, when I talk to people about this, and I kind of look back at my own uh, TAP experience, what it was is it was it was a little bit painful, because I would sit there and listen intently to what they're saying. And I could only glean like two to 3% of information that was actually germane to my mm -hmm. individual situation. The rest was just honestly a lot of noise and just sitting there and trying to have to think, wait for that one moment when you heard something, you're like, oh, I need that. And having hours go by and days go by before those little kind of insights actually hit you, you know what I mean? But so I want to show you... Um, uh, I actually have modeling, if it would be good for you Go to for kind it. of take a look at and the audience, which kind of explains exactly what you were talking about. So let me let me jump over to this computer real quick here. Before I do that, uh, let me let me kind of set the stage. So as I was going through this kind of um, transformation of my own, my own transition, which by all measures was successful. There's reasons for that that I did right. There's some of it that's just luck, but I did do some things right. As I was looking back and as I had moved to Asia and moved into a more executive role for the company, I was still kind of uh, very interested to figure out why mine was successful, why others was not successful. And that's what kind of took me down this journey and then I eventually found you. Um, and I tried to find answers. And like I told you, I went through all the research, different studies, I couldn't find answers. So I started kind of making my own modeling and it kind of took me down the route of sociology, psychology, uh, anthropology, I mean, every, any kind of academic discipline you could come up with. I thought through it, I ruled it out, and then I finally landed on neuroscience. And the reason why I landed on neuroscience is there is nothing more fundamental on earth that we're aware of anyway, that is how your brain processes information to make your individual experience. To me, um, that analysis made more sense than anything I had seen before. So. 
as transitioning you're going through as an individual. Therefore, how you think and operate within the external environment is very critical. So I designed a model based on that. So hold on a second, I'll pull it up for you. So again, I landed on cognitive neuroscience because there's nothing more individual about how an individual person's brain interacts with the external environment. That made a lot of sense to me. And obviously there's a lot of that going on with military transition. So in order for this model to make sense, I have to kind of run you through some basic neuroscience, very high level stuff. It's not complex, but it's really important for context. So when we talk about your brain's purpose, and then this will be weaved into a couple slides after this, it won't take more than about 10 minutes. So when you look at your brain's purpose, I generally there's more, but you can break it down to six major kind of functions. One is it ensures your survival. Second, it provides you individualized support through life. It does that by creating memories, which is called encoding and then retrieving them later, which is retrieval. Uh, efficiency is paramount for your brain. And despite its small size, it, it eats in a ton of energy, up to 20, 30% of your energy stores to get that thing to work properly. And then it's very adept at making associations. So with that as a contextual backdrop, let me kind of take you to the next slide here. So this is my model. This is the one I created after hiring a neuroscientist for almost a year and then worked with her to understand basic cognitive neuroscience principles. So these are things that um, are, are very known within the cognitive neuroscience realm, but I've broken them down in, so that individuals can use it. You don't have to go to a practitioner. You can do more kind of understanding what's going on in your mind, and that's the value of this model. So here's how it goes, and I'll make this, uh, we're not going to go through the whole thing. It can get complex, so I'll take you through just a few of these. So it's a three-step. Uh, the first step is your brain. Um, important information enters your brain. And what I mean by that is that's the information that enters your brain or is allowed to. Because if you think about the physical environment, they say there could be like 7 million bits of information that are trying to enter your brain from what the lighting's like to what the sounds are to what different things are. And what gets in is what you give attention to. And the attention in this case is usually externally driven by somebody who you trust, like a parent or a drill sergeant in the case of the military who says you must do this, so you do it. Or internally driven through someone who says, hey, I want to change something in my life, and it's important enough that it gets up into step two. So once it gets to step two, that actually that information that was just let in sits in short-term memory very briefly. And then um, your brain has mechanisms that, that search your brain's long-term memories for associated information to that incoming information. And then those two are merged together from step two to step three. It's called consolidation. Push forward to your prefrontal cortex here in the front where you can think much deeper about it. And once you do that, not surprisingly, that arrow that's underneath the head there, that influences uh, how you see the external environment. It, it influences, uh, if it makes sense, you begin trying to seek cues in the external environment that meet your thinking that you're doing internally. With that as a backdrop, and tell me if I'm going too, too deep here, <laughs> but uh, what that does is it profoundly impacts people very specifically with transition. So let's do the transition very specific example here. So let's take you, Craig, back in the day, you're like, hey, I got to get out of the military. Uh, what do I do? So step one meets that criteria. It's important to you. There's big lifestyle change. So it gets into step two. And this is where all of the confusion and everything, all the, all the conflict kind of takes place in step two. 
And like I told you before, and I know I'm going through this quick, but there's a lot of information there. It sits in short-term memory, and then there's mechanisms in your brain that look for long-term associated memory. So within that context, you actually have a spectrum of memory. Um, and I have two new words for kind of the transition space that I want to I want them to start using because it, it, it helps with the context so much. Mm -hmm. So on one end of the memory spectrum, Craig Picken had no memory of transitioning from the military. So not surprisingly, you had no long-term associated memories. And we you call don't that, know what you don't know, essentially. You, I mean, you don't know, you you don't don't know, know. what you don't know. Exactly. Right. Now, going back to the brain and what the attributes are, that doesn't mean your brain stops working. In fact, it actually puts it in more of a crisis. And what your brain does is try to deliver solutions to your problem. So what happens in this case for military people is they say they get all these really good ideas. Hey, should I go get my third and fourth degree? Should I go get my PMP? Should I get my uh, Sigma six? I mean, everything, right? And, and What's objective about that is if you kind of take a step back and you go, holy, holy crap, that's like a hugely like gunshot burst of ideas. Are any mm -hmm. of them really practical? So did you have an experience like that by chance? Or well, like yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, you're like, uh, you know, I don't know what you, yeah, you're, 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 you're jumping out. And this is a lot of people, not just you know, military people, but a lot of people with career transition goals in general. It's like, you know, they've been 20 years at the same company. Yep. What's, you know, I don't know what it's like to get out to go do something different. <laughs> um, you know, it's, you don't know what you don't know. So you're, you're looking at like, yeah, when I was jumping out, I was like, well, you know, I was a naval flight officer. You know, do I want to go be a school teacher? Well, why not? Well, that sounds cool. <laughs> you know, do I want to go do this? And you know, you, 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 you literally, for me, I had to sit down and go, okay, you know, it was a very thoughtful process for me. I love to read. And I was like, I'm in aviation. You know, I live in Europe now. I'm in aviation. My, my college degree was international trade and economics. Well, wait a minute. Okay, I'm living in Europe, international trade, and economics, and I'm an aviation guy. Why don't I look at something in the business of aviation? So that's how I took my process. You know, it's it's definitely here people all over the place because what do I do next? It's a completely foreign environment to them. Exactly. Exactly. Now, now here's what's interesting. So there is a memory spectrum. And what I kind of want to show you on this next slide is what are the consequences of this? So we, we talked about the brain gap. And again, I'd love people to start using these terms because it makes so much sense. When you have a brain gap, what that essentially means is you stop your cognitive cycle. And you're mm -hmm. unable to think about what to do for transition and unable to think. Right. And it's reflected in all the literature from particularly USC and their, and their school of social sciences. People say, I, there's a veil in my mind. I can't get past it. And I'm, I'm saying or claiming that the brain gap is precisely why that's happening. You're unable to, to complete a cognitive cycle. Now, on the other side of the spectrum is the military mindset heuristic. Now, I have to give you a definition of a heuristic. A heuristic is really a shortcut in your mind because you have so much experience in a certain area. Information comes in, it instantly goes to that heuristic and you arrive at a conclusion quickly. This gets back to that attribute in your brain of being efficiency is paramount. So mm -hmm. let's talk real quick about how that plays out specifically in transition. So here we go. <laughs> so I just got done writing an article and I know this is going to hurt some feelings, but um, frankly, we need to be a little more 
precise, I think, when talking about transition. And what I don't want to do is, uh, you know, point fingers at people specifically. I want them to know that there's actually these mechanisms, mechanisms in their mind that, is, are, that are creating obstacles to their transition. It's not them. Their mind is actually functioning exactly like it's supposed to. It's just they're not aware of these obstacles because this discussion hasn't taken place in the transition space yet. So when we talk about how this impacts your, your transition and its planning, we talk about the left side of the spectrum, brain gap, the right side, which is based on a ton of military memory. Here's the consequence of that. And I label it ignorance and hubris, right? And if you kind of take a step back and you look at that, that's literally the worst position you could be in is where mm -hmm. you don't know what you don't know, but you think you know everything or you mm -hmm. think you'll be okay with no plan. And, and if I'm not mistaken, you kind of articulated that ago when we were talking about you and, and some senior officers out there. But I argue it spans the entire uh, age, uh, rank, right. spectrum. But but I certainly think your your point that you brought up is valid. So so here's here are, here's the impact. So I just said with the brain gap, because you have no long-term memory, you can't see a clear path forward and your mind is flooded with great ideas, right? On the other side, the military mindset heuristic, here, here you go, the top one that you already mentioned, thinking you can figure it out on your own. And I have a little asterisk there that takes you to the bottom left that says, even though you've never done it before. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's kind of true, right? The military, um, the military does build up that confidence, but the thing that I think people are missing when they say they could figure it out on their own, the assumption is totally out of bed with reality because I use a, a Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <clears throat> And when I say that, when you're in the military, you have a full triangle. You know, you've got your basic needs, your safety needs, and then you've got your, your kind of professional needs, and they're all built out on a normal Maslow's. Well, mm -hmm. the second you step foot out of the military, unless you're retired, which retirement money is not enough, and then if you've separated, you have no money, you know, your safety needs just went kaput, right? Mm -hmm. so, you're, that, that, so now you're being brought down on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and you start going into panic mode a little bit, which is very predictable. So why not preemptively um, do that, which is what pre-veteran is all about. So the next couple of things I'll go through, overvaluing your generalist attributes. That is shown everywhere where they're, you know, I have people contacting me all the time. Mm -hmm. Hey, just put me anywhere. Like, like you were saying, I can, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And it couldn't be any more different mm -hmm. than what the private sector needs, which is a very specific individual with a very specific skill set to, to fit a specific role in the company that that runs mm -hmm. the PL, you know. And then I'll finish up here. Uh, the private sector should accommodate you. Um, for some reason, they think that. And then thinking you should get things for free. And I have an ask, two asterisks over there that go to the left where that's not how the private sector works. Um, and then unusual future salary calculations. Mm -hmm. So again, this, this military mindset um, kind of doesn't help that way. And just to, to kind of do a humorous anecdote, you probably heard too. When I interview the hundreds of people I've interviewed that are transitioning, I say, you know, what, what's your entry point for salary calculation? And it's two camps, two camps only. The separating camp says, I don't want to make less than I make now. 99.9% mm -hmm. of the time they say those words. The retired folks are really different because what they say is, well, I'll take a lesser salary in my future job if the combination of that salary and my retirement pay are not less than I make now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, there's no wonder that they kind of look um, at 
military people and go, I have no idea what they're thinking. I mean, it's, it's just such an unusual influence that is brought over from the military. But my yeah. argument is none of this is obviously helpful. You know, so th that's the point we're trying to get across is in pre-veteran, this, this, this uh, model underpins our entire system where we want to show them these obstacles that are in their head. And once they can identify mm -hmm. them, it lowers them. And then they're more receptive to learn what is actually really important out there. But but you think about like what you're doing here, and this is where I want to you know get away from you know it's a great thing for veterans. But when you think about like people who are transitioning, or or you know when you think about transitioning, not just from the military, but say from their company, they just got fired, yep. they just got laid off, or you know whatever you know their 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 job is no longer there. They're at the left side of your your graph. They can't see the yep. path the path forward. They've got a gajillion great ideas. And then, you know, it's like, oh crap mode hits and they're way at the left. And you know, once again, 99% of the people who get laid off or fired or transitioned out of their current job were never preparing for it, you know, for yep. whatever reason. They they never thought it would happen to them. And then you come over to the right and they're doing the same thing. Hey, it's okay. I'll just figure it out as I go along. They don't have a pre-planned plan. Yep. You know, they, 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 they don't know what their value is in the market because they really haven't looked. Um, and this is kind of why this is this, this model you've got is actually much more valuable than just for transitioning veterans. It's, it's for a whole lot of, you know, it's for a whole thousands of people out there. To help them sort of, you know, create that plan for, you know, what if this does happen to me? You know, why, sh you know, what should be my path forward at any given day um, type of deal? Exactly. So it, it really know. does. It really plays. I mean, I've, I was, I'm looking at this. I'm going, oh, wow. You know, <laughs> there, there's a lot of value this for, for a lot of people. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, what ends up happening, whether, and I agree with you, I mean, we're exploring kind of adjacencies um, outside of that. We see mm -hmm. a lot. Um, right now I'm working with, uh, since I'm a Wyoming resident, live in Jackson Hole, we're working with the University of Wyoming to begin adopting this model for a workforce initiative statewide. Mm -hmm. So it's really kind of exciting opportunities that are taking place right now. And I appreciate you kind of noticing that it's got, you know, broader legs than just military, because here, here's, here's what happens as a result of this. You know, they, they spin their wheels with no assurance that whatever they're doing is going to work. And I think once you can convince them of that, right? Uh, I, I think life gets good because here's the alternative, right? The alternative is this. Um, I wrote about this in one of my initial articles, but you go through this, mm -hmm. it's called the emotional cycle of change. Mm -hmm. And if you don't address your internal obstacles we just went through, and, and there's more depth to that, that's just the higher level stuff. You're, you're going to resign yourself to go through the ups and downs. And mm -hmm. I think me and you had talked about this before, but this is where I get really frustrated with the veteran advocates out there who insist upon the fact that you have to struggle in your transition. I completely disagree with that. I could not disagree more. Mm -hmm. All I'm saying is there had not been a model there before that allows you to get from stage one to stage four without going through the huge ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And and that's kind of where we're going with this, because I got to show you this, this last slide for today. Think about how this plays into the broader, not just individual, but the aggregate veteran market. 
right? Mm-hmm. When, when you talk about the civil military divide, there's a lot of articles out there that discuss, wow, we just do not see things the same way. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of centered this around um, that that graph that I told you about where I do four measures, employment, wellness, higher education, entrepreneurship. If you look at this graph right here, what's circled, it's that the retention of transitioning military members, once they actually get a job, which is hard, by the way, they mm-hmm. actually leave the job four times faster than our our general public counterparts, right? Four times. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the numbers, right, from a, a company standpoint, they're spending at least five grand to get you in the door. And I mean, that's that's the mm-hmm. minimum, whether it's internal or external recruiting. And then once you leave, after you've been trained, it's anywhere from 50% to 200% of your salary to replace you. Mm-hmm. These are real dollars for the company. And the company is always looking for talent. So I argue the veteran talent pool, I mean, we've got affirmative action, we've got tax credits, we've mm-hmm. got uh, um, uh, preferential hiring in the government. Every lever in the world is being pulled right now for the veteran demographic. And I argue they're going to go to other talent pools. They are. Um, and, and that's kind of the danger we're facing right now, because I think we can cure the military or the civil military divide by letting the individual transitioning person know they have to do two things. And this is, this is the cornerstone of pre-veteran. They must self-transform must. It is not an option. They are going from less than 1% of the U S population decreasing year over year into a 93%, which is non-veteran population. And you can kind of see if, if we think we can carry over everything and not uh, transform, it's going to be a rough go. And you're going to find out you're going to have to transform anyway in order to integrate to the normal kind of uh, general public way of life. So when you look just at this graphic, this kind of spells out the civil military divide. You got the transitioning mm-hmm. military person saying, the private sector doesn't value me, doesn't understand me. Mm-hmm. And then the business people over here and, and the general public, the 93%, look at us leaving four times faster than everyone else and says, why are they such a problem? Right. Right. So it's, it's, it's a challenge. But the, I think the, only- the understanding is, you know, as I have to explain to a lot of transitioning people and the, you know, the, the more senior they are, the worse they are, to be honest with you. I said, look, at the end of the day, corporate America doesn't care about your leadership. They don't care about a lot of things. They don't care about your can-do attitude. They don't care about your leadership. Um, They wanna make money. And there's only two questions that's going through their mind. Can this guy make me money or can this guy save me money? And realistically, if, if it comes back to, can this guy save me money? It's really a loop that goes back to saving money is increasing profits. So it just comes back to, can this guy make me money? So when you think about someone transitioning over, you know, it's the, the only value is going into an interview or going to a company is here's how I can help you make money. It's not, here's how I can improve your leadership. It's not, here's how I can just get stuff done. It's here's how my can do attitude, good leadership and ability to get stuff done will improve your profit margin in this specific arena. Um, it's really not a complex, you know, it's not a complex you know, question. It's just, an, it's just one that, un, you know, that's misunderstood. People don't understand. It. It's kind of like cricket. I don't know what the game of cricket's all about. 
but but people are coming into the world with you know cricket if that makes sense and you know thinking i'm gonna go play cricket and you're like well nobody knows what the hell the rules of cricket are so so why do it awesome point awesome point and and, and the only thing i'm in violent agreement with you by the way when you're either saving them money or you're making them money uh, I just wrote an article about that this well last couple of weeks where, you know, they don't value your leadership unless you can do your job. And then if you can do your job, the role that you've been assigned to do, then you can, you know, exhibit your leadership and actually flourish because, you know, those, the, the same information I just told you that paints a pretty dire picture for the first two years after transition really gets better. I mean, once they do figure it out and figure out they got to transform because no one has told them that, certainly not the researchers because they want to apply baby gloves to the veterans and mm-hmm. not offend them and 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 make sure that you should never you should never challenge a veteran. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You're, you're you're disarming them of the ability to get better because right. it's actually a pretty or could be a phenomenal talent pool um once they actually are self-transformed and aligned to the private sector, they actually can do excellent work. And I think they become great employees. And frankly, that's what we want to do. Pre-veterans make better veterans. Mm-hmm. I mean, our, our, our goal down the road is to get more people into our ecosystem. And once they start going through our courses, um, mm-hmm. we, we're very confident that we're going to have companies that will want that much uh, more um, aligned talent to go into their company because then we could have them retain at much higher yep. uh, percentages, you know. But I think on the flip side too, companies too, you know, it's like, hey, look, you you, you hire a, let's just say you hire a junior officer or mid-career, maybe you know, major lieutenant colonel or major uh, lieutenant commander, lieutenant, you know, Navy lieutenant, Air Force captain, Marine Corps captain. You're taking somebody who's anywhere from four to 10 years in the military. So they're, you know, let's just say they're 30 years old. And you're doing them a favor by saying, hey, look, come in. Here's the new expectation. We know where you were, or we sort of think we know where you were. Here's the new world. You know, here's sort of the the politics of the organization. Um, You know, you knew the politics of the organization in the military. You just didn't step. You didn't step on the skipper's shoes. You know, you didn't undermine your boss ever. Well, quite frankly, in you know, in corporate America, you may come to your boss and you may challenge him. And you go, "That is the stupidest decision I've ever seen," and here's why. And you yep. challenge your boss um, politically. You know, what's you know from you know the. What's politically? Uh, politically, maybe you know, you, you know, it's you come into an organization. I think it's good that companies help these people who really don't understand these veterans who really, you know, hey, it's a whole new game for them. You say, okay, look, here's how it works here. You know, no offense, Joe. You know, here's how it works here, and yeah, you you know, you we know you flew a hundred million dollar airplane, and you did it great. But the Xerox copier is off hands to you, and it's no offense, but you know, you, you got to get you know. And that's the problem is that like you know, you, you know, you get somebody who's coming out of you know some twenty eight year old young youngster, I think you know, twenty eight years old, and then all of a sudden you're saying, hey, you know, yeah, don't 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 turn on the copy machine. You know, you're not qualified. Like, Wait a minute, 
you know. So it's sort of a real it's sort of a realignment of expectations, and I think you gotta help people well, realign those expectations too. I I agree with you, but but what I'm I guess one of my bigger problems with TAP going back to where we started is it's been around for 30 years. I have data from 30 years that show it doesn't work. I actually have one study that says people who went through TAP do worse. Um, that was from back in 2008. Um, it's funny, but it's not funny because it's permeated into the minds of the organization and the DOD in general. And even though with those, those bad outcomes, it's been baked literally into the minds. Now it's congressionally mandated despite having not having good uh, performance out of that. So um, I know that we've got a, a, a tough road to hoe with Preventer because we're going you know, business to consumer. We're trying to begin filling out the space with a completely different way of doing things. But kind of going back to your comment you said, I think you can do the, I, I know you can do that alignment now before you get out because I wrote another article where TAP, the, the, the current transition system, um, it has you get ready for your transition in descent. And, and I say that, of course, metaphorically, you're in career descent. And what I mean by that is your workload triples. You know, not only are you doing your job and have your family obligations, the next layer is you're disentangling yourself from the military. So you're attending a ton of briefings. You're attending, you know, you're, you're getting your clearance read out from your clearance. You're doing all these different things. Mostly the medical and dental take most of the time and making sure you get your VA records, all this. And then on top of that, you're supposed to figure out who you are, what you want to do, where you want to work. And, and it's just, it's flawed by design. So what we want to do with pre-veteran is get people in their straight level metaphorical career where mm -hmm. they're busy, you know, they're doing their job, which is always mm -hmm. the first thing we talk about is your first, um, your first obligation is to the taxpayer because they're paying mm -hmm. your salary. But just like any professional development or something you want to do personally, we want you to fit pre-veteran into your busy life. And that's why our courses are designed that way. Our courses are designed to be hybrid courses. And what that means is, you know, it's a learning management system, which means it's, mm -hmm. well, typically our courses now are five weeks long and you're going to go through 20 to 40 minutes of videos and then you're going to have a live Zoom call. And then after that, you're going to have assignments, but you could fit that into your busy schedule, which is why we're trying to get people one to three years prior to them actually leaving the military, mm -hmm. because you need to fit it into their busy life cycle. That's what everyone in the world does now. Mm -hmm. And why would you put yourself behind the eight ball in career descent to do all these different things and, and self-transform? Just there's no time. But that's, you know, but, but going back to my civilian thing, you know, that's, you know, the, the great, great thing with the veteran thing. You know, like, so what I tell veterans is this, from the day you graduate from flight school, whatever, you know, we were aviators. So I'll talk, I'm like, you should be having conversations with business leaders and networking with them. And it's like, no expectations. Just tell me what you do once a year, twice a year, once a week, you know, your neighbor, let's go to coffee. In the civilian world, too many people don't think about a career transition until they're, you know, until they're being transitioned, you know, their job went away. Well, why didn't you go to conferences? Well, my boss never paid for them. Well, you got money. Yeah. yeah. Go buy your own, you know, go pay for your own career, you know, your career thing. Yep. Um, you know, why didn't you go network with a company or why didn't you take an interview once a year just to see what your value was in the marketplace? So, yeah, this is life, though. Yeah, it's it's like 
you know, not just military life, but it's life in general. It's career man, career and personal management. Yeah. Per, you know that I mean that's so spot on and, and it, and it kind of brings up a few kind of thoughts I've been having with different kind of transitioning people when you were talking about uh, how they're addressing kind of the, the the workforce and new jobs and and things like that you, you're right never had to interview for a job really I mean there's probably a couple exceptions out there but they never have so they of course don't have that skill um, and then when you talk about investing in yourself, I've got a couple funny stories, right? I mean, anyone in the private sector spends money and, mm -hmm. and they do it knowing that they're making a value decision. Mm -hmm. You go, hey, is this worth it? I'll pay for it. If it isn't, I won't. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, veterans take offense to that. I, I don't get it. Um, but uh, like I, I have this conversation with people all the time because my courses are not free and my courses uh, cost money for a good reason. I need you to prioritize what you're doing. Um, I will not have you do this training and do it the same way you did in the military where you're kind of half there and kind of not. That will right. not lead to the outcomes we're looking for. But I ask these same people, I go, so are you hung up on pain? And they're like, well, a little bit, yeah. And I'm like, well, let's, give, let's do this scenario. Let's say you have a daughter who's 14 and is struggling in math because we're in COVID right now, you know, would you get her a tutor? Well, of course I'd get her a tutor, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, and then, Hey, what about your son? He's showing promise as a baseball player, but the town baseball team sucks and you want to get him on a travel team. And it's like 800 bucks. Of course I'd get him that. I don't want to deny mm -hmm. him that opportunity. And then you go, you're the breadwinner yeah. <laughs> in your family. You're the breadwinner. You're, you're the one, all these other expenses go away because you have no money. And, and for whatever reason, you're unwilling to pay right. for you as the breadwinner. You're taking on the most risk. And I go back to the ignorance and hubris thing. It is real. Right. And, and it just fits into that, you know? It's, it's a function of if you're not willing to invest in yourself, why should I invest in you? Totally. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's a great yeah, that to me, it's like, you know, I I I did a podcast on on this a while back. And it's like, you know, if you want really want to advance your career, go to two conferences a year. You know, your yep. your boss won't pay. Yeah, look, a conference costs five to a thousand, five hundred to a thousand bucks, plane ticket hotel. You know, it's two thousand bucks, but yep. everybody's there who you want to meet. Trust me, everybody's you, know, you go find a great conference, not a not a trade show. But a great conference, and everybody's there. You want to meet if you're you're a military guy, and you're thinking that you want to be an executive in aerospace or an executive in pharma. Why wouldn't you just pay to go to a conference and say, "I'm going to go meet some people and talk about, hey, who you are and what do you do?" Yep. Just meet them. Go. Is this is this the is this the way I want to go? Um, so, so there's, there's one other thing I'd add to that. And, and this goes back to things I hear from people I talk to all the time. So, so the normal mantra from veteran advocates is network, you know, do informational interviews, find a mentor. Right. And I ask these people because most veterans are actually digital nomads or, you know, mm -hmm. they're kind of digital avoiders, you know, another article I wrote out there, but they don't like to interact. And I don't think it's because they don't like to interact. They have no idea what questions to ask. None. Mm -hmm. Right. So, when you go to a mentor, hey, what do you talk about? They're like, well, I don't know. So, so there's no there's no framework for this discussion. And I say this because this would this would kind of lend itself to what you were just saying with the conference and why I think pre-veterans mm -hmm. valuable because you got to have a framework for what you're trying to accomplish mm -hmm. before you can actually go talk to people. 
And then once you know kind of what you're looking for, um, it be, wow, the, the networking, the mentoring, the, inf the informational interviews become very, very, very solid. Mm. And those could actually become leads and those can actually become uh, yeah, job opportunities. Yeah, you know, and, and it's and it's like one of these things where, you know, look, a great article the other day talking about Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos in 1998 put a quarter million bucks of his own money into this little company called Google. If he didn't sell any stock... That money today is worth eight and a half. That 250 grand is worth eight and a half billion dollars. And so where am I getting with this? Bezos was a Silicon Valley guy. He meets Sergey and the other dude in a garage, in a friend's garage by happenstance. And they start talking about this idea that they have. It's Google, which is called Google. And he had just failed at something. He's like, he understood the technology. But but ultimately, where he got, you know, you think about eight and a half billion dollars, it was his network. It's like he was in an area where he knew some people who knew some people and nobody was looking for anything. So, you know, and, and this is what I talk to people about all the time, whether transitioning military people and I and, and I'm always I always take their calls. Um, you know, it's like, go, go build a network, but don't ask for anything. Just what do yeah. you do? You know, what do you do? What's the purpose of it? Why? And you know what? People have more respect for you because you're you're not asking for anything. You're just saying, what is it? What is it? What does it do? And and they'll help you get there, but ultimately they'll help you build your your network up. And that's you know, the network of, you know, I've been around military people all my life. I'm only hanging around military people. That ain't gonna help you. That ain't gonna help you on the other side. <laughs> so that makes, that no. doesn't help you on the other side. Um, I agree with that. I agree the, uh, with that. My next door neighbor in my uh, my office complex here is a uh, private equity guy. Private equity guy. He's taken three companies public in um, the last eighteen months. He's kind of new to town. He's been here a couple of years, but he knows everybody. I was I go on a walk with him. We do a we get out on the beach. We just walk. And I asked him, "How do you know everybody?" He goes, "Well, it's a true story. He, he sold his company for eight hundred million bucks, and he had to leave town because it was a small town. And everybody kind of knew that he sold his yeah. Him and his partner <laughs> sold their company for big money. When you have eight hundred million bucks, you got eight hundred billion people. Tug it on your shirt sleeve. Very few have your best interest in mind. So he actually moved out of town." And when he got here, he called up every business leader in town and just said, my name's Joe. You know, I, I, I'm involved in some things like look like this. And I just want to, I hear you, know, you got to, I just want to meet you. He knows everybody. And I sit That's in his awesome. office all the time. He's like, you need to meet this guy. You need to meet this guy. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I don't know anybody. This, this new guy comes in and he knows more people than you, right? But, 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 it, but, but once again, it comes into the value of building a network. And that's the one thing that they can't teach it. The one thing they can't teach you. The one thing a transition assistance program should be teaching you three years, four years before you get out of the military, how to build a network. It should, it's the same thing in the civilian world, how to build your network. Conferences yep. are a great place. Yeah, just phone calls to your competitors. Hey, I just want to know you. Yeah, why not? Right. We'll take that call. So 
No, I, I agree with that. But again, I think the big thing for me when I help people out is, is getting them to wrap their questions around something. And I totally get your point where if you're just going to learn something, I mean, there, there can never be anything wrong with that. If you're purposefully trying to find a job, and, and that's where I'm kind of coming from um, with my head right now, I think we could do exactly what you're saying. If, if we could teach them how the private sector works in a very succinct, easily to understand way. And we do that, frankly, in our course. And we talk about the first thing we do is we remove the internal obstacles. The next is we remove the external obstacles. We just told you about some of the ex internal obstacles. And once they have those identified, we can fill their head with more useful information that they don't fight. Because mm -hmm. we talked about them fighting this new information with those things that we talked about. But once you understand simple things like, what is a business unit? What is a program? How do companies make money? Well, they make them from programs and programs have uh, business units. And mm -hmm. the business unit or the BU is the engine for any company, which means, and this, this gets us into the, the weird trans transition space again, the, the researchers out there happen to think that, um, you know, transitioning military members would be, make great program managers. I think that is the worst idea in the world worst idea in yeah. the world. I've been in industry now in three entry-level business development, executive of North Asia, and now senior individual contributor as a strategy guy. I would be terrified to be a program manager for uh, a no-joke program. I mean, yeah. knowing the P&L, again, because we get back to this disconnect of private sector has to make money, public sector does not, it just has to manage a budget. There's a lot of senior leaders like you talk about out there that happen to think those are very similar when they could not be any more different. Right. Spending money is easy when you know you're going to get it again. Making money be, and knowing that you're you're putting out a, an expenditure plan or a, a cost plan mm -hmm. after you've made money is a completely different proposition. Mm -hmm. And once they kind of understand that, though, I mean... It, the learning really starts to take hold and they can really kind of wedge themselves into a really good job. And that's why we see them flourish after a couple of years, but why go through the, the tumultuous two year period, man? That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, but, but that's the, but that's the, that's the one thing that, yeah, the one thing I, I, I write a lot about it. I blog a lot about it. I'm just like, start early, no matter who you are, you may love your job. You, you know, you may, you you, know, you may never want to leave it, you know, but you know, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow, right? Yep. Get your build your networks up. Yeah, the mo the most powerful thing in the world is someone with knowledge. I mean, yeah, you know, when you have knowledge and a network, and you, you know, no matter what happens, you're like, yeah, you're like I love the guys. Are like, yeah, if my job ended tomorrow, I wouldn't care. I'd go walk across the street to these guys because they'd hire me. <laughs> they'd hire me a minute. Like, I want you. Totally. You know, yep. you know, but that's the whole, it's a good thing. I, I love what you're doing for the, you know, for the veteran community. It's, it's really needed, but not necessarily just for the veterans, but I think it really helps the business people understand hey, what's going on in the mind of this person I'm hiring and really taking it, you know, taking a little bit of a bet on, um, yep. you know, in a lot of ways, there's a lot of, there's a lot of attributes they bring, but you know, it's, it's ultimately making sure that it's a good fit both ways. How do people Absolutely. get a hold of Jason Anderson at Pre-Veteran? All right. So the website is preveteran.com. Um, we also have a presence on YouTube and LinkedIn. Um, we have a company page, and then you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Just 
type into LinkedIn pre-veteran and you'll find us pretty quick. Um, really appreciate uh, doing this. Uh, it's been a great time kind of chatting with you, getting the word out. I'm really glad you were the first one, right? <laughs> so I look forward to doing some follow-ups in the future when we start getting uh, people through yeah. the pipeline. I think it's going to be really interesting where this I'll, goes. Uh, we'll start talking about the successes and 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 yep. the thing and the things like that. I mean, it's a great, like I said, it's a great thing what you're doing. What you're doing is a great thing. But once again, you know, it's yeah, it's an invest, it's an investment that somebody you know somebody needs to make it themselves. But yeah, you know, it's a good one. So cool. Appreciate that. Thanks for coming on, Jason. Absolutely. Thanks. Talk to you next time. You betcha. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pippen.